This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game today. Our special guest is Mr. Jay Bunty from Texas. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. So, Jay, you, um, you've you got your hands in a couple of different things, but before we get into all of that, what I'd like for you to do is sort of bring everybody up to speed on sort of where you came from and how you got into the insurance industry. And first off, I'm going to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service to the country. You've done something I wasn't able to do and, and that I appreciate and I'm thankful for every single day. So coming off of uh, Veterans Day a couple of weeks ago, thank you truly for your service, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, insurance was not something that, you know, probably like most people that you grew up thinking you were going to get into eventually as an adult. Uh, as you alluded to, I uh, was in the military, born and raised in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, went to West Point. Uh, spent some time in the army and then eventually got into the corporate world and was working in oil and gas and having a good time, learning a ton, uh, but eventually wasn't happy with where I was at. You know, you're building equity for somebody else and you're not in charge of your schedule and a variety of other reasons. And so I figured something's got to change. And that's how I you know, started changing directions and getting into insurance and a few other things. Yeah, that's cool. So you're not playing around, man. You didn't enlist. You went, I mean, you went to the mothership. You went through West Point. I did not know that. I did. Um, and I, I didn't really even know what West Point was. I mean, all boys in the growing up, they play army outside and they have an idea, but I didn't have some aspiration to go to West Point initially. I wasn't some third, fourth, fifth generation uh, West Pointer, like a lot of, uh, you know, cadets that are there that go there. They saw me play soccer and recruited me to play sports up there. Um, so <laughs> I was a recruited athlete, so a little bit of a different approach. Yeah, because, I mean, not that getting in by playing soccer is not impressive, but all of my friends that when it, it doesn't matter whether it was the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy or West Point, I mean, it was the cream of the crop, man. It's not like they're just letting people walk in the front door. <laughs> well, that's the hardest part, and not to make excuses for like all the service academies, as far as I'm talking on an athletic level, but they don't make any exceptions. So you still have to qualify academically and everything else and get a congressional nomination, which is usually the hardest part, to be honest, uh, to to get in. And so a lot of the top caliber athletes are like, I don't don't want to do that. And then, oh, by the way, I have to go into the army and there's probably a chance I go to war. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So talk a little bit about that process about getting a congressional nomination. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, at the time... And I don't know if it's still that way, but when I went, this is I'm uh, 2000. So I graduated high school in 2000 and a congressman can only have five total uh, nominees at all the academies at one time. And so the year that I was interviewing, there was two spots basically uh, coming available. And I think there's around like 150 of us trying to try out for it. And you go in front of their board and mine was uh, Joe Barton, a congressman here in the DFW area. And of course, you know, you're 17, 18 years old at the time. You've never really done anything like this. And they ask you all these questions. And one of them was, you know, who was your role model? And you got to remember, you know, you guys were around back then. I said Jim Carrey. 
<laughs> and my nice. afterwards, when I told my parents that, you know, at the time, you know, Ace Ventura was real popular and everything. So like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, which, which Ace Ventura, which, which Jim Carrey are we talking here? Are we talking Ace Ventura? Are we talking The Mask? Like, where are no, we it was, it was the Ace Ventura, yeah, for both <laughs> of them. But the reasons why wasn't because he's a funny actor. It mm-hmm. was because of his backstory, right? And, you know, without going into too much detail, he was homeless, you know, living in a car with his mom, just begging, you know, comedy clubs and uh, to let him in. And then he tried out for Saturday Night Live and they told him he wasn't funny enough. And then eventually, you know, In Living Color picked him up and the rest is history. So mm-hmm. from that aspect, I always appreciated just someone that was determined to, you know, they know where they wanted to be and they weren't going to let anything stop them. So that was kind of the, the why behind Jim Carrey. Nice. Well, you know what, man? And it probably caught their attention because I am fairly certain that if I'm one of the people on that committee, Jim Carrey is not what I expected to hear. No, um, I don't know. It's just, you always, and my parents taught me that you just be yourself. No matter the situation, don't try to like be somebody else or be somebody that you think they're trying to get you to be. So Mm -hmm. uh, it it ended up working out. And I got a nomination, uh, one of the two. And got accepted and, you know, did the thing. So, Well, your parents gave you good advice to be successful in our industry, too. Because if you be yourself, you're going to do just fine. I think too many times people try and morph themselves into things they're not just to make a dollar or get a piece of business. When really you might get some no's because you don't jive with people with a personality or whatever else. But ultimately, you're going to attract like-minded people in your books a lot more cohesive. If you don't play all of those games, nobody wants to buy from a politician. They want to buy from somebody that's genuine, that they understand. And I mean, look, I don't mind sharing my backstory with anybody. If they appreciate it, then they're going to hire me. If they don't, then they're not. And I'll just move on to the next one. Right. Mm -hmm. And you learn and it's hard. I learned that very quickly, especially as a newer agent. And I I don't I don't know if the viewers are going to be able to see the video, but I'm rocking my IAOA shirt uh, because absolutely I would not be here without that group. So we, we can get into that, you know, if you want. Yeah, no, I mean, I think all of it, a lot of us are in the same position, man. I mean, I, I got into IAOA because Laura Sherman, who is a partner at Baldwin, Kristen and Sherman, which was the first agency I worked at producing in the middle market, saw that I had opened an agency and just added me to the group. I didn't even have a clue what it was or why I was in there. Um, she did it as a as a huge favor for me, not realizing what she was doing at the time. And the next thing I know, I get a friend request from a guy named Dave Jackson and see that he's like the Florida Risk Partners page. I'm like, who's this? Who's this guy? You know, this agent from the other side of the country nosing around my stuff. What's he want? You know, because I, I tried to keep myself as a pretty well kept secret for the majority of the time. But, um, you know, they I got plugged in and started networking with other agents from across the country and picking their brain. And some of them helped make good decisions for me. And some of them helped me make some decisions I wish I wouldn't have made. But in the end, I'm better for everything that I've experienced as a result of being in that group. Yep, I, I exactly agree. And that's kind of what, what the point I was uh, making. Like, you know, when you're a brand new agent, brand new agency owner, you're just trying to get business in the door and trying to survive. Uh, but, you know, some very, very smart people told me, do not write everything that comes in the door and don't go chasing everything, you know, because I had people say, oh, you need to specialize in commercial lines. You know, you're coming from oil and gas. You need to go after that. <laughs> and then I started learning about what that entails, you know, in the ENS markets. So I was like, dude, yeah, I absolutely would have told you run. I would yeah. have never given you that advice because, number one, you're a new agency and that business leaves as quick as it, it comes in, you know, because it's cyclical. But it's funny when when people tell you don't write everything that walks in the door, that is the easiest advice in the world to give and the hardest advice in the world to follow, especially when you're banking on eating what you, you know, you have to eat what you kill. Right. And it's, you know, it's easy to sit back after having an agency, even in my case right now, five years in and say, oh, don't write everything that walks in the door. You know, you'll make it. No, I'm not under that pressure. It's really easy for me to tell you that. There are plenty of accounts that I wrote the first year that I was in on my own that I would never even meet with right now. But it was a matter of just getting it in and and getting that cash flow. And here's the thing. 
I probably lost money on that. Most people aren't going to be willing to admit, oh, I did it and I lost money. No, I probably did. And it wasn't a great business decision at the time for me to just write small commercial, whatever I could get my hands on. But here's the thing. I needed the cash flow, right? So even if that policy canceled in six months and I had to pay back commissions or whatever else, at least I had that money for the little bit of the time that I needed it to be able to, to build the next thing or grow to the next segment of what I'm doing. And, you know, now it's, I can cherry pick, right? We do cherry pick. There's plenty of times where we'll look at something and say, hmm, that's really not going to fit. You know, so and I'll have producers that'll push back and say, you know, but, but you, you're pressuring me to produce and do this and do that. I am, but it needs to be the right business. And commercials different to a certain degree. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's completely removed, but it, I mean, it's it's a lot different than dealing in personal insurance. Now, you can set your parameters of what you want to go after and what's going to be the ideal client for your organization. But what I mean by that is, you're not operating off of pipelines in the same way that we're operating off of pipelines right. in, in a middle market commercial agency. I can choose what's going to go into my pipeline and fill that with only that stuff. That's a lot more expensive to do in the personal lines because you're going to have to hire somebody to handle all of your ads and, and ad spend and all of that stuff. And while you can do it, sometimes it's not as easy as, as it is in the commercial side because we have a lot of free resources. Yeah, absolutely. And the few commercial policies that I started going down that path, I look at it from a, you know, a learning point. I did it, and now I know there's no way in heck I want to go do another valet parking service on the ENS markets and all the the admin and everything that goes along with it and the servicing just to make, you know, some the premium's not worth it in my mind, and just mm-hmm. personality wise, it's not what I'm going after. But at least I know, and so uh, you know, I learned something from it, but. I absolutely. I quickly figured out that I like the personal lines more. It goes more in line with just my network and what I like doing anyways. And so I, I'm pure, pretty much purely focused on that. And if there's a commercial client that comes to me, I'll refer it out to somebody. Um, James Jenkins, right here in the DFW area, has become a great partner, friend, and mentor to me. He, he truly helps me out a lot. And when something comes to in my you know, network that's in his wheelhouse. I don't even pretend to act like I know what I'm talking about. And I just say, Hey, go see James. He's got, you know, a butter smooth Hollywood voice. You're going to enjoy talking to him and, and, and people, it's been a good relationship. Yeah. And he'll pretend like he knows what he's talking about when you send him over there. So you don't have to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, James, James is a friend of ours. You know, we've had him on the show. His, his episode hasn't dropped yet, but it is um, it's good to have relationships with people like that, you know, that you can reach out to. And, you know, he's he's being he's aggressively building his sort of own little subgroup of IAOA or whatever. He I, I know that he had something for producers in that area or agency owners in that area, like an event that he's trying to put together right now. He, we were going back and forth. I, I talked to James a couple of times a week, probably back and forth on Facebook messenger or whatever with different questions that, that each of us may have for the other one. But he, he did mention something to me about that, but I, I wanted to ask the name of your agency is Gallup. Where did that come from? It's uh, as, as you know, and most business owners know you have some name ideas. And then by the time you check uh, the state registry and you check the websites and, and everything like, well, that name's taken, that name's taken, but Gallup, um, it, I took from the first cavalry division. So I was in the first cav and they're the one, if you remember the movies, like we were soldiers with Mel Gibson that has the big horse patch on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I spent seven years down in the first cab down at Fort Hood and got to even ride horses there for a little bit too, which is really, really unique uh, to the army experience. And so I wanted something horse related. I've always liked horses and the black and gold. And so that's where I came up with Gallup insurance. That's cool. I figured that it would have something to do with horses or polling, one of the two. <laughs> well, I, think, I don't, and my um, spelling is not my strong point, but I'm pretty sure that Gallup poll is spelled differently. It is. It's got it's a UP. I'm okay. almost instead of OP. But so you've you've grown your business. You've been how long have you had the agency? Just a couple of years now, and to be honest, I started it on the side, and I don't know if that's indicative of most people, but I'd never even been an insurance agent before. And here I am opening an entire agency 
not really knowing what I'm doing. And so I was still working a corporate oil and gas job and started it on the side just to do like friends and family and just to kind of, you know, put my toe in the water because my wife, you know, she, she backed me. She understood that what I was trying to do and to, to give her credit, you know, when I presented the idea of like, Hey, I want to go start an insurance agency. You know, she was like most spouses. You're like, wait a minute, you want to leave, you know, a hundred percent, well, not hundred percent, but pretty much guaranteed salary job to go start a hundred percent commission job. I was like, yeah. Plus like, it's yeah. not related. It's something completely separate, you know? Yeah. So and she's like, well, you know, if you're crazy enough to do something like this, well, I'm crazy enough to believe in you basically. So right, uh, she had my back and, you know, started doing friends and family and saw that I could do that. And then all of a sudden they started referring their friends and family and here it goes. And so that's how it really kind of snowballed. And it gave me the confidence that, okay, I, you know, I can do this. Interesting. What stuff did you kind of learn and incorporate in the military into what you're doing now in the insurance world? I think it's probably applies to all business principles, whether or even in the military or whatever business you are, it's just how you treat people. And, you know, I've built teams in the military. I've been a part of teams in, in the athletic world. And so I, if you take those principles and apply them across any business, you're going to be successful. Right. And, you know, people remember not necessarily conversations, but they definitely remember how you make them feel. Right. True. And so I always have always tried to apply that, whether it's military, whether it's insurance, whether it's mortgages, whatever I'm doing, it's just treat people the right way, be genuine. And the rest really will take care of itself. It's funny, man, that you say that because I literally made my Facebook status less than an hour ago. Life is so much simpler when your only goal when you wake up every day is to make somebody else feel amazingly special. That's it. I, like I, if I you could you put that there, I, I swear that's yeah, that's but awful. it's crazy, man. It's really that simple, right? That's one of the reasons why you know we send out the thank you gift that we do to everybody who comes on to the podcast. It's one of the reasons why we do over the top things in terms of events for our clients and our prospects and our carrier partners uh, and vendors. I mean, we took a break last year, and we unfortunately are in a position where we have to take a break this year due to COVID. But I mean, we celebrate success, not because we want to be boastful, but because we want to celebrate it as a thank you to the people who helped us do all of the things we've done. I think a lot of times agencies completely miss the boat by not recognizing the role that their carrier partners and their vendors play in their agency, period. They think that the carriers owe it to them to, you know, oh, well, we gave you all the business that you asked for. You owe me. Well, you know, that's fine. That they, they should be thankful for that. But at the same time, they gave you the vessel in which to do that. You know, you had those conversations with an underwriter that you've built a relationship with, that you've gained trust with, and all of those other things. It's got to be completely symbiotic. And we need to recognize those people that help us do that, because I think that that differentiates not only the internal culture of your agency, but the way that your culture is perceived externally. You're exactly right. And Kyle, to kind of answer your question is, you know, when I started kind of telling some of my close inner circle friends what I was planning on doing is starting an insurance agency, they're like, insurance? You know, I probably had the same reaction when you told your friends, they're like, why would you, you know, there's a million insurance agencies, why would you do that? But I knew what I wanted to do, right? I wanted, and probably... Y'all might be similar. I wanted to control over my schedule. I wanted to be able to, you know, take my kids to school in the morning if I wanted to. But at the same time, from a customer's perspective, I wanted to take something that was generally painful. And let's be honest, insurance is not the sexiest thing in the world, right? Like a lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand it. They think they're getting ripped off or, or right. something like that. So if you can take a, normally a painful subject or area off them and manage that for them, then people are like, dude, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, go out and get me 10 quotes. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on 10 different websites and do all that. And so that's why, and then just be honest, you know, it's mainly, it's mostly recession proof. You know, if you own anything, you have to have insurance or you have to worry about some liability protection. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it might slow down a little bit this year in the commercial world and in the personal world, but it's not going anywhere. Um, 
So that's that's kind of how I settled on on insurance coming out of the corporate America world. Well, we can you know we can thank uh, the hurricanes for offsetting the lack of premium due to COVID because it's going to come in the form of increases in the next couple of years. We're already seeing it. It's it's crazy, especially if you're coastal. I mean, Florida's dodged so many bullets with hurricanes the last few years. We're finally getting a flavor of what it's like to subsidize everybody else that's had the unfortunate circumstances that we're, that we're used to. Mm. So you had the agency and you, you got that opened up and that was, you know, like you said, man, insurance can be painful, but so can be, so can buying a house, right? That, that can also be somewhat painful in the mortgage process. What led you to um, go down that path in addition to having the agency? Well, that great segue. That's, and you're exactly right. If you think about two of the primarily most painful subjects for most consumers is mortgages, you know, financial and insurance. And they're very, very, especially the mortgage on a purchase, a very emotional time, right? You're making the biggest purchase, presumably of your life. Mm-hmm. All you want to do is get in to the house and you have this huge mortgage financial piece staring right at you. And most of the time people don't understand it. You know, why, why are you asking me all these questions and why do you have to provide you all these documents? So I, and coupled with, I wanted to become like a one-stop shop. If somebody was already trusting and liking me to, and enough to handle their homeowner's insurance, they're probably going to trust me enough to handle their mortgage. And when people, and when my existing client base on the insurance side found out that I started to do mortgages, dude, like the floodgates just opened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, dude, we were thinking about refinancing. We were thinking about buying a secondary home or whatever it is. Do you mind looking at this? And you're like, well, absolutely. And you already have all their information. And so it's just a natural process. It goes hand in hand. Makes sense. Right. And what really kind of helped me get off the fence on it, I was already thinking about it. uh, But in San Diego during IOA um, Innovation 20, I talked with Grant Botma. He actually did a presentation on it. And then I got to spend a little bit of time with him afterwards. And I was kind of going down the route of like, oh, I need to open a mortgage brokerage similar to an insurance brokerage. And Grant was like, dude, do not do that, at least right out the gate. You know, maybe eventually, but do not do it right out the gate. And I'm so glad I listened to him because I would have had no clue what I was doing. Now that I'm in mortgages and seeing everything that goes into owning a company, uh, I'm very glad that I'm just a licensed individual hanging my license underneath somebody else's parent company. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you would have opened your own mortgage brokerage, you may be the biggest glutton for punishment I've ever met in my life because you would be in two industries in which you have minimal experience, but ridiculous regulation surrounding, right? I can't even imagine the stress load that there would be as a result of that. That would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, mortgages, I don't know the multiplier, at least 10 times more regulated than insurance, at least. Um, So maybe eventually down the road, but that's not even on the, you know, the plans right now. I'm just enjoying helping as many people as I can. And uh, I recently, originally when I started, I was only licensed in Texas and I quickly realized how many friends and referrals I have outside of Texas. And so now I changed up the situation and now I can originate in all 50 states. Oh, wow. Nice. It's been great. Good deal. Yeah. And I got to imagine, I mean, with your time in the military, man, your network has to be national anyhow. Well, And that's primarily it. Um, You know, I'm probably doing 60, 70 percent VA, you know, veterans. And then the other 30 percent is the conventional loans. Mm -hmm. So you jump in, you open your agency. I've got so many questions I can ask, but I, I would say, what's the biggest surprise that you think hit you when you launched your agency? The fact that you can't just go, and, and I guess this was my just ignorance or whatever you want to call it, is you know, you, you look at all these other independent guys that had all these options, travelers and nationwide and Safeco, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do that too. And then you open up your agency and you try to get that appointment, and they're like, nah, bro. <laughs> Tell me your premium, how many years of experience you have, all this. I mean, there's some carriers that right. get you right out the gate. But I was like, oh, shoot. Like, you know, I thought I was special. And they're like, no, you're not. Um, so that was kind of a surprise. That's. I feel like that's almost everybody that 
we asked that question too. It's kind of the same thing. They're like that. That was the hardest part. That's that was the biggest issue, the hurdle, whatever. So it it makes sense. How, so how did you solve the problem? Uh, just I, I got really good mentors, right? Um, I, I have to give a shout out to Trout. He is the owner of Rocky Mountain West Insurance in Colorado, and he's an ex Army guy as well. And this is before I even kind of had like a partnership with him. Just, I was just some random dude. And he was, he would give me all types of time and day and just spill all this knowledge on me. And he's not the only one, but um, you know, that's, that's really what helped me. And probably like most agents, I thought I needed 15 different carriers right out the gate. I got to be super competitive. And the more I started doing it, I'm like, I really don't need that to be honest. I mean, maybe a handful and, maybe some select ones for some very select uh, risk. But other than that, I mean, if you have some just competitive handful of carriers, that's all you really need to be honest. No, I, I agree with you. I've always said that um, I don't ever want contracts with everybody because then everybody expects you to feed them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and and we can't, I mean, we, you know, we have reasonably good volume, but at the end of the day, it's not, where I can just bring in two more carriers and immediately produce, you know, a million or 2 million in premium for them in 12 months. It's just not going to happen. And I mean, I think the other place where agencies, at least in the commercial end, get over overzealous is with the number of wholesale relationships they have too, right? For the excess and surplus line stuff. My opinion of that is they almost all have exactly the same contracts. I mean, with a couple of differences, it's that you, if you want to talk about purely a business, a segment of our business based on relationship, I would tell you it's the wholesale markets because we have two that we deal with. And one of them, I wrote the very first piece of business I ever wrote when I got my insurance license almost 20 years ago with this lady. And I followed her from brokerage to brokerage that she was at. And the other one is the guy that does all of my management liability and cyber stuff up in Atlanta. And I've been with him for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just, there's no reason for me to look past that. Number one, I don't want a ton of excess and surplus lines business. Kyle used to question me. I think he's figuring out why after, you know, seeing- did I, question you? I don't know that I did. Yeah, I just think that you didn't. Under, I shouldn't say you questioned me. I don't think you understood why as much. I didn't understand much. why it was such a pain in the ass. I guess. Yeah, and then you found out when you started seeing all of the accounting issues and the premium financing things you deal with. In the non-pay. there's a lot of moving pieces. It's not yeah. as it's not as cut and dry as just going on, you know, a preferred market and binding an account with a direct sure. bill with direct bill. Right. I don't yeah. want. I would prefer to never touch agency bill ever. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. It's a nightmare. You know, it took me three. I took accounting three times in college to get through. So, I mean, (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to have to do any more accounting. Dude, me too. I failed that bad boy twice. (laughs) Yeah. Mine wasn't because of lack of intellect or understanding. It was lack of attendance. No, mine was. Mine definitely was. Yeah, no, mine was just, I didn't go. Ever no, so it is. It was, it, like is what, a, it was like an eight. It was like an eight a.m. Monday morning class. Jay, we happening. are probably the most opposite thing of West Point that you could possibly oh, interact yeah, with. Both of us are from that <laughs> standpoint. Well, but zero discipline. Yeah. Well, no, I've got discipline in certain things, but it don't even say going yeah. to the buffet. But whatever. <laughs> um, well, you know, my my point, thing is, I I have to give you all credit because I don't know yet West Point forces you to be disciplined you whether you like it or not but all my friends that went to you know university of texas or all these public you know colleges i don't know if i would have the discipline to be focused when you have all those distractions when you're 19 20 21 years old tough yeah and here's the here's the part of the episode where david talks about it took him eight years to get through college i mean (laughs) i literally was tommy boy i there's no i mean other than the fact my dad people go to school for eight years yeah you know but I think that things change over time. You know, I went, I went to school to play baseball and um, that presented its own set of challenges that you had to then mix with your academics because you're not, it's a whole different animal when you go from high school where you were the best or one of the absolute best to going to college where you and everybody else was the best or one of the best. And 
you know, you have to level up your game pretty quick. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I like about our industry. I don't ever shy away from competition. I don't care how many stockholders you have or how big the revenue of your agency is. I will go into a bare knuckle street fight with you any day of the week and compete because it's in my DNA. It's in my blood. But I like that because even if I go out and get completely destroyed, I'm going to pick pick myself up and learn from that and be even stronger the next time. And I can tell you that there are times now when I sit back and I pick up an account based on something very, very specific that I said or that I did. And I can trace that all the way back to earlier in my career when somebody did the same thing against me and absolutely destroyed me at point of sale. So I do think that the industry is cool in terms of how it allows you to push yourself. But to your point, it's no different than going to one of those major public institutions. There are very low barriers to entry in our industry. Anybody, I mean, look, man, no offense to you. You had no experience and you opened an agency, right? I didn't know. I never owned an agency before. I was a producer, but I was able to get licensed as an agency and get contracts. I got to come in as a producer. Kyle came in as a producer with no experience. And I mean, that's that's the thing. You have to have the discipline once you get the opportunity to capitalize on that opportunity. And there's a lot of people who don't. I mean, I tell the story all the time about the comment that got me to come into the insurance industry. And that's from a guy, the guy that gave me my first opportunity to produce middle market business. He said, David, if you want to come into an industry where you're going to succeed, insurance is exactly where you want to be because it's an industry that is full of C players. They're average people. Everybody is average. They do what they need to do to get by and nothing more. And guess what? There's a lot of people that fit that description and make a very comfortable living. I'm not saying it to knock them. I'm just saying it because it's the truth. You got people making $150,000, $200,000 a year that probably, if they applied themselves, could be making four or 500000 but they're perfectly good with the fact that they're working 25, 30 hours a week. They have time to do whatever they want to do with their family, and they have no debt. They live a great lifestyle, and they're perfectly fine doing that. That's just not how I'm wired. I'm not going to stop when I when I hit that. I don't know that I'll ever be comfortable with what I'm doing because there's always something else that can be done to make me better. Yep, absolutely. And to that point is, you know, people make the argument of, well, you should focus, you know, they, they like to project on you. You should focus only on insurance or you should focus only on mortgages or focus only on whatever you're doing. And I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I, you know, could I grow the insurance agency faster if I was focusing hundred percent on it? Yes. But I also like, helping people with mortgages and, and other things. And it, to me, that's what it's about. I, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to, I'm not trying to be the, the highest producing insurance agency in the U S I want mm-hmm. to be able to help people and make a living and provide for my family. And it's to me, you know, when I was working in, in the corporate world, I was working as hard as I could for something that I didn't truly care about. Like, I mean, just be honest, like I, I was there, I did care, but at the end of the day, it wasn't my company. And to me, that's stress. That's the definition of stress. Now I'm turning around and working just as hard, if not harder, but it's something I truly care about. And that to me is passion, right? So that's the difference of stress and and passion. And I I don't foresee myself going just 100% one way or the other. I like dabbling in both fields of, of mortgage and insurance. Yeah, I don't think there's anything at all wrong with that. Yep. And, you know, it's really nobody's business to tell you what you should or shouldn't do anyhow. That's <laughs> well, up yeah. to you to figure out. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what cracks me up, man. I mean, it's the, it's the blessing and the curse of social media and the ability to interact with other people in real time. Because you're just, you're always going to have to filter through, I don't know, I don't want to say stupidity because it's not necessarily stupidity but just maybe lack of polish. I mean, I look at some of the comments that I see sometimes when people ask genuine questions and it's like they couldn't get the heel of their boot on this person to squash them fast enough. Then you have other people that are that are completely at the other end of it. But, you know, I think that, that we have the ability to be in groups like IAOA where there's such a great support structure. But on the flip side of that, I think you also need to understand when you're talking with people 
where they're coming from and they need to understand where you're coming from. Like you and I both know that if we went online right now and went into any of the number of places where we can network with other agency owners or, or agents, and you post a very simple question, you could get 20 answers back almost immediately. Oh, and like nine, 19 of them have no relevance whatsoever. You know, in fact, 14 of them are probably two people that got irritated with one another or then fighting inside the thread, you know, to, to prove who's right. But that's the cool part, man. I mean, again, I've always said people people say that creativity is thinking outside the box. I don't think you have to be creative at all to think outside the box. That's the easy way out. To me, true creativity is staying inside the box and figuring out a different way to do the same thing that's been done the same way the entire time. That requires somebody truly creative because in our industry, we do have rules. We do have regulations and parameters and things we have to follow. Otherwise, I could do all kinds of crazy stuff to generate business. That doesn't mean I'm creative. That just means I'm not following the rules at this point. Yeah, exactly you got to differentiate yourself and provide value and be genuine. And a lot of things that you and I talk about, and that's going to take care of itself. You know, just the simple uh, video proposals, you know, for, for the insurance, especially along personal lines. If you know you have a first time home buyer, they never even purchased a homeowner's insurance policy before. Uh, so, you know, taking an extra five minutes and recording it and explaining why you need that certain things. I've had such good feedback and this is nothing, this is not some, you know, top secret thing that people are doing, but a lot of people don't do it because it takes extra time and just taking, like I said, that extra five minutes will differentiate yourself and make sure for one, that they know what they're actually about to purchase. And two, it's going to lead into other relationships. I, I can tell you how many people have, that I've helped that way and that they've told their, this person and this mm-hmm. person, and it's just a chain reaction. Well, it goes back to what you had mentioned earlier about people, you know, thinking that they're being taken advantage of in the insurance world and things of that nature. If you take time to explain the different moving pieces that that are sitting in front of them there, then, you know, you build credibility for yourself and you develop that relationship and it's built on trust, which is, you know, which is the key. So I think that's spot on. Y'all do a lot of that in the commercial world or is it more in-person presentations of Large no, I mean, level. at this point, I think everybody's forced to kind of do yeah. it to some degree. Yeah. I've, I've done more. I've not done as much where it's, uh, you know, quote vids per se. We do it 100% of the time with personal lines. We use Neoteric Agent for it. I like the interface. I like the graphics on there. It's web-based, so it's easy to plug into our automations where, you know, HubSpot will automatically have a trigger when somebody's, uh, thing is prepared that it'll shoot them a text with the instructions. It'll shoot them an email, uh, create all the tasks and things for our producers. And because of the way you log into Neoteric Agent, it's the same. It's the same web address, and the differentiator is your email. So I can have one canned message that goes out to everybody, and they don't realize that it's canned because it's basically the detailed instructions on how to get in. I think the one place where we have issues with commercial where it's more, I shouldn't say commercial in general, but specific to middle market commercial where we play is there's so many variables, so many moving parts that I could do a video presentation and feel like I nailed everything and I'm going to get a list of 10 questions back that I didn't cover. And Mm so it's almost better in those circumstances that we do it on Zoom so we can address the questions in real time. Gotcha. Well, it may, I've seen this and y'all probably have seen it too. Usually in a relationship, you know, husband, wife, if you're giving them a, a quote or something, one person is the insurance person slash financial person and the other person isn't. And so if you're calling them or emailing them and trying to talk to them about the proposal, you know, when the, by the time they get home that night to explain to the, the right spouse, the one that's actually the decision maker, they're like, oh, I know Jay said this was important, but yeah. I can't really remember why. And so if you have that recorded five minute proposal, then they can just watch it as many times as they want. And it actually frees up your time if you think about it, because that's less back and forth emails, texts, calls, whatever it is. And, you know, they already have the answers right there. Yeah, for us, typically we're leading with the experience mod in many cases. So that's an easy one to do a recording on because I've done it a thousand times and I don't miss anything that they would have a question about. Uh, typically for us, by the time it gets to the insurance transaction, we've already been 
hired as the agent for several months because we don't we don't prospect based off of expiration date or any of that stuff. Somebody could have literally renewed the month prior. And if I go in and meet with them and they buy into my value proposition, they could move the business to me immediately. And I basically am servicing it for 11 months before I'm technically the compensated agent on the account, which isn't a great business model, you know, if you are looking for revenue, but there are obviously there are ways for us to monetize that relationship prior to, and we do everything we can to to not focus on the actual insurance transaction because that's what everybody else does. Everybody, I've said it, Kyle knows where I'm going with it. I've been saying it now for months. I'm going to continue to say it for months because I think it's a huge problem in our industry. But insurance is the common denominator. That's the one thing every single licensed agent can do the same. If you have four people competing for a piece of business, all four of us have insurance markets we can go to. All four of us can structure coverage. There's only so much you can do inside of that framework to differentiate yourself, which is why I choose not to focus on that at all. I want to talk about all of the other things that are costing you money revolving around your total cost of risk. Let's talk about indemnity claims. Let's talk about your experience mod. Let's talk about soft costs associated with claims that nobody ever can calculate and bring into you. And these are all places where money is leaking from your financial statements, but you've never focused on it because you're so worried about getting the cheapest premium possible or the best overall insurance product. Quit selling a product and start solving problems and you'll write way more business than you ever thought was possible because your peer group is not doing that. We think that people want to go to Progressive. We think that they want to go to Geico. But the reason that they do that is because we haven't done a good job of showing them what we do for them that makes us valuable. They equate dealing with an independent the same as picking up the phone and calling a call center. And it's not. I don't blame the clients for that. That's our fault. We haven't done it. We haven't done a good job of saying, here's what I did for you over the course of the past month. And I mean, obviously in the personal line side, that's a whole different animal. But when it comes to commercial, agencies wait till the end of the year for the stewardship report. Why? Why aren't you updating them in real time? Why aren't you telling your clients, hey, here's here's everything that we said we were going to do that we accomplished this month. Here's what's coming up next month. Give them a dashboard on a monthly basis so that they can monitor forward progress in real time. And you'll never lose an account over service. But I'm always just completely baffled when I hear these agencies complain that they lost an account that paid more money to go somewhere else and how disloyal that client is because they left them and they were wooed by an agency that had a bunch of fancy tricks and gimmicks and this, that, and the other. Here's a fact, people. It is never an insurance problem if somebody pays more money to go somewhere else. That's not an insurance problem. That's an education problem. Either you're not doing your job and you haven't given the value that you need to give to retain that account, or you are doing that behind the scenes and you've not done a good job communicating that to your client. Clients don't know what we do for them every single day. The only way they know that is if we tell them what we did. And, it, you know, obviously you're not going to pick up the phone and say, hey, guess what I did for you today? I issued 14 certificates of insurance, made three vehicle changes. I mean, you're not going to do that. But in the broad strokes of what you're doing, we need to be very effective in our communication because there are a lot of accounts that will leave an agency and go to another one that never should have left the agency that they left. But the reason they did is because the group who came in articulated that they were going to do a lot of the things that were happening behind the scenes already that that client never knew. I feel like I just got taken to school. <laughs> that was well. You hit some I, really good points there. I have a lot of experience in college, eight years worth. <laughs> but I think it's true, man. I mean, and that's in any business, right? It's funny because one of my uh, we had a guy on the podcast early on, a buddy of mine that's a, a VP for um, Van Dyke Mortgage nationally, and. When you know, it's funny because they did the refi on our house when we refinanced it. And he, I don't think that they were prepared. Like I asked him, how long is this process going to take? And he, he rattled something off. He was not expecting me to be as thorough as what I was and have all of my documents in order and everything. Like 
I didn't want them to ever have to ask me for something twice. That was my goal in the process. What it turned into is he had built in a huge buffer of time thinking it was going to take a while for me to get documents and things together. And I ended up being irritated that they weren't moving as fast as I wanted them to move because they were sitting, they, they just didn't have their projections right based on what they assumed was going to happen on my end. But it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, um, I don't know. Kyle, what you got? You've been awfully quiet, man. No, I've got stuff there, going on around. Just sitting now, there my, watching my your beard wife, grow? No, my wife just pulled in and almost knocked over the electrical box. So I, I had that going on. But no, I mean, I haven't been quiet. What are you talking about, dude? Me and Jay have been going back and forth this whole time. Okay. I think you, I, I think you just made that up. I may have. <laughs> well, Jay, so listen, listen, Jay. Here's a question that I have. Okay. I'm a brand new, brand new agency owner. I'm thinking about opening up an agency. Don't really have any insurance experience. Think I can make this thing work because I believe in myself. I know that you know if I'm going to bet on anybody in this world, it's going to be me. What What's the piece of advice you give to me coming into the industry based on what you've experienced yourself? Man, there is a lot to that. Uh, let's see. One well, is, take some time, man. It doesn't yeah. have to be just one. Give, give me a bunch of it. Take me to school, Jay. Here's what's <laughs> really helped me is for one, I prior to opening an insurance agency, I didn't even have a Facebook account, right? And so the power of social media, yeah, there's, a, there's some distractions like you talked about earlier, but from a business perspective, a networking perspective is... You know, if you're an independent, you got to join IOA. If you're captive, I'm, I'm sure they have different networks as well. But you join that and then listen, like truly listen to the people that are trying to help you, not the people that are trying to force, oh, well, this is what worked for me and this is what you should do. You know, figure out what you want to do and listen to the people that have been there and done that and then do it your own way. Don't, you don't have to do, you know, that was one of the things that I, I noticed when I first got going is I'm like, oh, well, look at, you know, pick any handful of super successful people in our industry and like, well, look at how they did it. I, I got to do it that way. And then I started doing it. And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily like the way that they did it or that doesn't fit my personality. And so don't be afraid to make something your own, even if you're six months in, six years in, whatever, you just have to trust your gut, right? If if you're doing something and it doesn't feel right, then don't continue to do it that way. And so I, I, I figured that out that out early on is you know, make it my own. And, and like you were saying earlier, David, just thinking outside the box. And so that's huge. And then the other thing is taking action, right? Just don't sit there and debate yourself or you know think that you don't have enough experience to do something and taking action. And that's another reason why I love the innovation conference. I've only been to one, you know, I'm sure y'all have been to maybe numerous or other conferences, but you know, I, that was the biggest takeaway from every single presenter there, whether it was Brandon or Rochelle or anybody that was presenting was, Hey, here's what I'm doing. If you like it, great. But regardless, if you just take action. And so mm-hmm. I've, there, I've done a few things just from that conference in January that have been, you know, exponential growth to not only the insurance side, but the mortgage side. And so that that's my advice to anybody new is just to take action. It's going to be messy. It's going to be imperfect, but that's better than just sitting there and debating with yourself on whether you should do, you know, route A, B or C. Right. What, um, what kind of technology are you using? You guys have a CRM? Yeah. Um, right now I'm using uh, agency zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's a handful of one, other ones out there. You know, better agency is obviously a, a popular one. I, I just, that's the only one I've tried. So I don't have any negatives to say about any of them. And it's just the only one that I've tried in, um, cause I met Tolga and I met some of the other guys at innovation and the price point seemed, you know, good. And that's, so that's what I'm using. I'm using, um, advisor evolved for the website. You know, I, I met Chris early on and even though he was an Eagles fan, I still, trust him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I trust him fully, but uh, we'll, we'll, what a, what a disaster that division is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So if you haven't figured out Cowboys fan, you know, I was born yeah. and raised here in the Metroplex. Big win yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Big win. Um, what, we're all three and seven, you know, we're pretty competitive. <laughs> in the NFC East. <laughs> Four it's so crazy, man. I um, cannot even believe it. So the, yeah, that's, uh, some, and then just various different automations in the background. 
Mm-hmm. But man, I look at some uh, some of the other guys, what they're doing, or in ladies, it's just crazy. What, what the capability of what you can do, and maybe if I had a multi multi million dollar you know agency, then that would make sense. But right now, it just doesn't make sense for me to put that much time and effort into some of the technologies. Um, well, that's just it. I mean, I, I think you hit on it earlier when it's when you were talking about doing what makes sense for you. It's, you don't have to do what everybody else is telling you in the in the chat in the forum, and half yeah. the stuff isn't going to apply to you anyways. You got to take the bits and pieces that apply to you and and what you've got going on, and and you know jump in with both feet um, and and take action, like you said. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. And then the other thing, um, you know, the last thing I'll probably. Just, the agency owners, especially if you're coming from a similar background with me, like a corporate world where you don't necessarily own your schedule is at the end of the day, like don't be afraid to take some time off or go work remotely because, you know, I I guess I, it's weird. Like life events help you frame things. Right. So I think it was last week or whatever. I had a bunch of loans going, refinances, mortgage, everything. And I was starting to get stressed out. And so I took a step back. I'm like, dude, you're in a, climate controlled, nice office with, you know, refrigerator right down the hall and you get to sleep, you know, go to bed every night and see your family. Like, what do you have to complain about? Like, seriously, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you stressing over? Like, so what, I, what I'm segmenting into is, especially if you're brand new and you're just trying to make ends meet and, and survive at the end of the day, like, don't forget what, what matters. Like, I, I think I was told Dave earlier this summer at the peak of the refinance boom, we took two months and we went to Montana and hung out and I worked remotely up there and, you know, was right there on the Flathead River in the northwest part of Montana, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever been, is have not, absolutely no. amazing. I'm sure it's awesome out there. You Just, know, it's getting more and more popular, especially now that Yellowstone is out. I don't know if you've watched that show. I haven't, but I've, I've, I've heard good things. I've heard so many people talk about it and I have it set up to start recording on my DVR at the beginning of the series i'm trying to i don't remember when it's going to start but i'm sure that'll be the next thing that we binge watch <laughs> it's good it's it's you know it's there's a little bit of hollywood in there just like most things but it is very very good you know it's kevin costner too but i was thinking you know where where else could you have this freedom to be working to be helping people to be bringing money in for your family and providing for them and then also doing it on your terms and where you want to live i mean it's just we're, we're so fortunate, all of us, mm-hmm. to be where we're at. And so never lose sight of that. No matter if you're bringing in $1,000 or a million dollars every month, like just remember how fortunate we are. Can't make a million until you've made your first thousand. You know, I mean, so many times people get the, the cart before the horse and they're so worried about looking at everybody around them and comparing themselves. But nobody ever talks about their backstory. Nobody ever talks about all the times they couldn't afford to buy groceries or they couldn't afford to take their wife or their de- uh, girlfriend or whatever to the movies. And you drove a beater and delivered pizzas to make sure you got rid of all your credit card debt and everything else. Because like you said earlier, that's not the sexy part of what we do, right? What's sexy is talking about going out and being able to make $50,000 in commission because you sold a massive deal or building a big chunk of business, a big book of business over the course of a couple of years, because you've lived with the ax to the grindstone for that period of time. The fact of the matter is everybody in this industry has a choice. We can choose to be a lifestyle agency, or we can choose to be a growth enterprise. You can do both. You can start out as lifestyle like I did because I have younger kids and convert it to growth as they get older. And they're not as, uh, you know, dependent on me to be around. Plus my wife's job requires her to travel a little bit. So I have different obligations for family than a lot of other people do that are sitting in my chair. But at the end of the day, if I wanted to just remain lifestyle only and make a comfortable living and never miss, you know, and I'm still never going to miss gymnastics. I'm never going to miss ball practice or any of the other stuff, but you know, I don't have to push myself. I push myself because that's what I want to do. Because so many people didn't bet on me earlier in my career and earlier in my life, I operate with a pretty significant chip on my shoulder every single day. And, you know, I I think I'm better for it. You know, I think all of us have to find what it is that motivates us and what gets us to that point where we can ultimately maximize our own potential and success. And it's going to be a different point for every person. It's going to be a different motivator. Some people, it's going to be 
to, uh, you know, honor people. Some, some people are going to be out there because somebody screwed them over and they want to make sure that they never have that happen again. And they show that person, they made a horrible mistake. I don't, you know, I don't know that any two people has the same motivation in our industry and that's, what's cool about it. Exactly. And for me, it's, it's the journey. You know, a lot of people focus on when I get to whatever it is, whatever revenue or whatever premium, that's my end goal. And I'll be fulfilled when I hit that where they lose for me, the fulfillment's the journey to get there. Like once you're there, like, you know, you're there, but the, the whole process of building a team or helping people, whatever you're doing in the meantime, that's the fulfilling thing to me. And that's what I look great. Yeah. I look back over the last four years, man, and I see where I started and where I'm at right now. And just all of the different things that are going on. I mean, I've been in the industry for 17 years and I was, a partner in an agency before Florida risk, but you know, it's only been, we're in going, we just started our fifth year at the beginning of July. And I look back and I'm like, Holy cow. And I, I mean, it's awesome to look back and say, well, that was a stupid idea. I'm glad that didn't work out. And I cut bait and moved on from it. Or, wow, you know, there was a missed opportunity or just looking at all the things we did capitalize on. I mean, I don't know that there's ever a day that goes by that I'm not challenged and that I haven't learned something that I didn't know going into it. And as long as that continues to happen, I'll keep getting out of bed and doing this every day of my life. And the barbecue smokers. I mean, <laughs> to be honest here. I see. Listen, man. The, yeah, those guys, those that, those people in the in the broker smokers group. Broker I need smokers. to put Kyle in there. Yeah, they're a bad influence on me. They've got me wanting to cut out early today and get something smoking on that egg. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle's got himself a smoker too. I, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't openly share like I feel like he should. What do you got? Uh, I mean, it's not, I, I've got the uh, Kamado Joe. So, you know, green egg, whatever, same it's thing. And so I, look, if I, yeah, if I had it all to do over again, I'd buy a Joe yeah, I got instead of the egg. Why? What's the, because the egg is nothing more than marketing, man. It, it, they're all Kamado grills. So the difference right. is that when Aren't you buy they like the, the egg, same price though, no, 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 no. The egg, the, the Kamado Joe is less money and it? it comes with everything. The egg, you're just getting the shell. You well, have so to we be- got, we got ours secondhand from one of my wife's coworkers. Like she, I mean, it's the, it's the big one. I don't know like the measurements or whatever, but I mean, they used it like twice. And, and, and so we, we got it from them for pretty cheap. And, um, I mean, I don't like my, I'm not very diverse yet. I haven't played around with it enough. Like I've done some, um, you know, some Boston butts and some ribs and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I haven't gotten too, uh, too, too technical with anything. I just, I mean, the, the other obviously, part of it too is that you, you obviously haven't gotten too technical, Rook. Good grief. Well, whatever, man. <laughs> I mean, I, dude, I do it on Saturdays when I'm watching football and football usually takes precedence over what, whatever I got on the grill. So it's something easy. I can just let it sit there. Otherwise I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm going to throw out a pro tip for you. I really think you need to take advantage of the sales of turkeys around Thanksgiving and pick up a couple at an extremely good price and throw the smoked turkey into your mix because you will thank me for it later. Yeah. Easy to do too. Yeah. You just really, um, for me, the way that I, I'll send you the recipe, but the way I do it is I brine it for 24 hours first and then you just, it's, you pop it on and let it go. You check it a couple of times, spray it down a couple of times and you're done. So what kind of advanced stuff are you doing there, Sparky, since my ribs and Boston butt aren't good enough for you? What kind of advanced things am I oh, doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like any number of things like picanha, mm-hmm. tri-tip, tacos al pastor. I mean, I could go all day. Pizza, lasagna. I, I don't care. I mean, do you want me to continue to name things that I can? Well, I mean, well, you just throw the lasagna on the grill and heat it up. I mean, lasagna is done elsewhere. No, not really. I, I use a special proprietary blend of spices and seasoning. <laughs> I can't even keep yeah. a straight face anymore, man. Yeah. I tried to sneak yeah. lasagna in and you called me on it. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> well, listen, man, we've been going about an hour. We could talk about the green egg for a whole other or smoking and barbecue in general for a whole other hour. But I want to be respectful of your time, Jay. I really appreciate you coming on today. You know, you had a lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm sure people who mm-hmm. um, are listening to this that are in a similar situation would want to reach out maybe to – uh, just pick your brain a little bit. How do they find you? Uh, well, you know, gallupinsurance.com obviously is the website. Facebook, I'm on, you know, the IOA and every, 
you know, reach out to Jay Bunty on Facebook. But I, I hope I was able to help people in my situation or similar situations because you always hear about the guys like yourself and the other people that are just killing it. And but you know, you don't hear about too many Jay Bunties <laughs> too often. So. Well, that's what we're trying to do, man. We want to, we want people to hear about the Jay Bunties because the one thing that I do have after being in this industry as long as I have been is some perspective. And I'm I'm betting on you, brother. I think you're going to do just fine. And I think that people needing needing some encouragement or some advice or just to hear, hey, I'm not the only one that's going through the pains of starting up an agency. And this guy is a couple of months or a year ahead of me, and he's already doing great things and, and has figured it out. You know, I think people need to hear a lot more of that. Who cares about everybody that's already successful? You know, not that you're not, right. but you're not where you're going to be 10 years from now. I mean, all of, none of us are. I'm, and I think that's important. Like you said, embrace the journey, man. For those of you out there, it's okay to have the end goal in mind, but embrace the journey. Absolutely. And I, I think it goes back to the very beginning of what all of us were talking about is just truly doing what's best for your client and treating them the right way. And, and they will remember that experience. They really mm-hmm. will. And then they're going to become your biggest fan. And the referrals are just going to pour in. And the insurance and mortgages are doing way better than I ever imagined. Um, so I, I, I attribute it to that and having some really good mentors and, and truly listening to them. People, nice. it's Jay Bunty with an E, not a Y, B-U-N-T-E. Make sure when you're looking for him, you look for him there or Gallup with the O, not the U, as we already said. You'll find him. Jay, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Enjoyed hearing your story and uh, look forward to sharing it with everybody here when, when it comes out. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, brother. Have a great week. Having a good Thanksgiving with your family. Yep. Y'all too. Take care. Cool. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.